Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. Second service is a little amps today. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. You can definitely be seated. Don't want you standing the whole time getting exhausted on me. You guys having a good day today? Well, thankful, uh, just even before we begin, just want to just give a shout out uh, to Pastor Ethan. Just let you guys know, you know, uh, it's one thing, you know, Pastor Ethan gives a lot of honor, um, but he is a very honorable person. And I'm very thankful for his leadership and thankful for the opportunity to get to speak to you guys today. And if you just do me a favor and just let Pastor Ethan and Alina know how much you appreciate them today, put your hands together. We love them. I believe that Vibrant's best days are ahead. And God has amazing things in store. They are anointed and they're the real deal. Again, I've seen them in action long enough to tell you they have a good track record. So thankful to be here even today and for the opportunity that Pastor Ethan gave me. I want to talk about two, um, if this is your first time with us, you are what we call a VIP. We want to welcome you here, let you know how appreciative we are. And if you want to do uh, something for us, you can fill out a Connect card. And by doing that, you actually are donating monies to the Mississippi Food Bank. And we have at this point, I just got a number this morning, Almost 8,000 meals have been provided for because of VIP. So just by being here, yeah, it's amazing. Let you know about a few things coming up. We have our kids conference coming up on June 27th through the 29th. You can sign your kids up at this point at vibrantchurch.com slash events. And then we have our youth summit, which is something we've never done before. We are doing it at Timberlake. I I think it's a resort because it's way better than what I was at when I was camping uh, because we didn't have air conditioning and we didn't have mattresses. And it was like, there's a cot and have, have fun, kiddo. Like, that's great. But, uh, but it's gonna be a great time, and that's in July, July 27th through the 30th. So we encourage you to sign up uh, your students for that event. It's gonna be a great time. I wanna continue as we are going through our series on mind games. Somebody say mind games. I wanna talk about a topic that I believe God put on my heart for you today called get out of the wine press. Somebody say get out. Get out of the wine press. You know, I have a, I've been a father now for eight years, and I have an eight-year-old daughter, Isley Ann, and I have a three-year-old daughter, Ella May. and we joke around that we were built for the South because we always loved Southern names. And people are like, are you sure your kids weren't born in the South? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure. But at the same time, though, too, we gave them Southern names because we always love the middle names that flow together. So we have Isley Ann, eight years old, and Ella May who is three years old, and uh, God gave us a very tranquil, soft-spoken, creative, sweet first daughter. (laughs) Oh, you guys. You guys assume the worst. And then when, after we had our first daughter, I I got to thinking because, again, I, I grew up with two other brothers, and when you grow up with other brothers, you're in the same age bracket. We were within all two years of each other. You fight and you wrestle. That's just part of growing up. That's what you do. And, and I kind of wanted that experience. So I asked God, I said, Lord, for this next baby, when we found out we were pregnant, either let it be a boy 
or if it's a girl, Lord, I just pray that she would have something in her that would just be like, she's not afraid of anything. I want, I want something like, I want a girl that's gonna be like, Dad, I'm gonna like take you out of the knees and not apologize for it, you know? So we got that. And, uh, <laughs> and if I'm honest, sometimes I think we got more than we bargained for, but I'm very thankful uh, for my three-year-old. And, and she's very outgoing and you'll see her run out, out in the lobby area and stuff like that and tackle people at the knees. If you see people falling, it's my daughter. I'm sorry, I apologize. It's my daughter, Ella. But uh, with her, you know, you find out that you're not on your schedule anymore when you have kids. You find out very quickly that it's not even your life anymore. It's pretty much, it's Ella's world. You know, you ever heard the song Elmo's world? It's Ella's world. It's Ella's world at this point. And at, at night, you know, Ella, sometimes she has trouble sleeping and she never wakes us up when it's a good time. You know, she always wakes us up when it's just convenient for her. But it was around 3 a.m. one night and, and Ella is sleeping, or I hope she was sleeping. We're, we're sound asleep, Whitney and I, because we have responsibilities, unlike our kids. And I hear this blood-curdling scream from Ella's room. Ah! She's yelling. And in my heart, I, get, I jump up out of bed, and you know that, Dad, you're just like, what is going on? There's like a tarantula. I don't know what's in Mississippi. I'm like, there's something in the room, you know? And I'm running to the room, and... Uh, I run to the room and, and my daughter is underneath her safety blanket, her comfort of all comfort, you know? And she, she's underneath this blanket and she's, she's yelling. I'm like, what's wrong? I go over to her, I go over to her and she's underneath this blanket and her little hand comes out from the blanket and she points at the wall. She's like, daddy, daddy, there's a shadow. And I look over and it's Ella's shadow. <laughs> and I wanna throw my kid out the window, but I don't because I'm a Christian and because I got to keep my witness and I don't want to wake the neighbors with a, you know, I, you know, you don't want to do that. But I, I, I take the blanket off of Ella and I show her the shadow and I, I, I take her hand and I put her hand on the wall. It's, listen, like this is your shadow. It's not going to hurt you. We're okay. Now go back to sleep, you know, and sleep. but I thought about how that relates to our lives, and I want to talk about the wine press, but I want to talk about the danger of hiding. And life has a way of doing that, and we're going to pick up on the story about Gideon. Maybe some of you have heard of Gideon, maybe some of you haven't, but Gideon knew what it was like to hide. Gideon knew what it was like to live in fear. And up until the moment that we're going to get into this scripture, Gideon, who was part of Israel, had been oppressed. They had been oppressed for seven plus years at the hands of the Midianites. Seven plus years. In fact, scripture would say even before what we're going to talk about that every time that crops were planted and, and their cattle was out, the Midianites would swoop in and they would take everything out from underneath them. So Israel was living in a constant state of fear. We happen upon a man by the name of Gideon in Judges chapter six, verse 11, says this. It says, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, 
which is a tree. At Ophrah, how many of you guys read that Oprah? You saw that, you're like, Oprah, what was she doing there? Which belonged to Joash the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press, notice he's in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I can imagine. What? I can just imagine in that moment that he's calling this man a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us, given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14 goes on to say, God challenges him and says, I'll be with you. You need to go into Israel. And we pick up in verse 15. And Gideon said to him, please, Lord, how can I, me, Gideon, little old me, save Israel. Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So here we have a problem that Gideon isn't too confident. Gideon is in hiding, and I have a few pictures on the screen I wanted us to look at just to give us an idea and a visual. But on one hand, you see this courtyard of stones and this round circle area, and that is what we call the threshing floor, that if you were to take wheat and were to separate the wheat, this would be the place that you would do it, but no, no. Gideon's someplace else. Gideon is in what we call the wine press, in a hole with no flow of air because in order actually to separate the wheat, you have to throw the wheat up after you separate it so that way the chaff blows off of it. You have to be in an open or exposed area. But here he is beating wheat in a hole out of fear. What does that mean for us today? And what does that look like for our lives? I would believe this, that we have to realize this church that life can make you hide. Life has a way of pushing you into hiding. It may not be right away, but, but sometimes you can wake up and you realize you've actually been hiding. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about physical hiding today. I'm talking about spiritual hiding talking about people that, that hide up here, that you would walk into this room and not one person would know, but you're in hiding. You would come in here and it's a great Sunday, a great time to be in the presence of God, and no one would know that your worship is in hiding, that you don't lift your hands anymore, but you're in hiding. There was once a time where you would pray dangerous prayers and ask God for all sorts of things because you believe that he would do what he said he would do, but now your prayers have gone into hiding. There was once a time when you were confident 
and trusted other people, but somewhere along the line you got hurt and you're in hiding. You see, the hiding place can look different for every single one of us, myself included. But if we were to take account of what goes on up here, the mind games that happen over time can put us into hiding. Can put you in a place where you feel paralyzed. You see, Gideon wasn't supposed to be in the wine press. Gideon was supposed to be on the threshing floor. But hiding has a way of taking what you're supposed to do and pushing you into fear, pushing you into anxiety, pushing you into depression, pushing you into, you know what I'm saying today? It has this way. The mind games of life can put you in a place where you are hiding. Where you're in a place that you never thought you would be before. You see, I've met, I've met people that are in hiding. You would never know till you talk to them. I've met people that their marriages are in hiding. That they're dealing with brokenness and despair. I, I've talked to people who are dealing with severe depression and, and you wouldn't know it because they just smile. But deep down inside, they're in hiding. That's the danger because, hear me today, church, if you get nothing out of the message, get this, the enemy would love nothing more than to keep you in hiding. Because your victory lies outside of the wine press. Do you hear me today? He would love nothing more than to keep your mindset in a place of hiding. To keep your thoughts in a place of hiding. He would love nothing more than to keep you frozen. Movement scares the enemy. Movement scares the enemy. He would love nothing more than to keep you in your place. And even as we talk about hiding, what I believe too is if we're not careful, you can get comfortable with where you're hiding. Listen, I've talked to people, they've made their home in the wine press. They made their home for years. I've talked to people that 20 years ago, somebody offended them and they've never gotten out of the pit. 20 years ago. How do you get from one place to where you're living a victorious life and then all of a sudden something happens and it puts you in the pit or the wine press and you say, oh, no, this is just the way it is. I've talked to people who say my marriage could never get better because the thoughts have gotten the best of them in the wine press. Gideon says, I'm not, God, you, you got the wrong guy. What you're asking of me is, is too much because I, I'm not able to do this. I, I wonder if Gideon would have said that on the first day of when the Midianites took over. But after seven years of dealing with oppression, I, I, I think Gideon started to believe the news. Started to believe his own mindset, like, no, 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 we're never getting out of this. 
I'm always gonna be hiding. I'm never getting out. I'm never gonna be good enough. And the thoughts go on and on. For us today, many of us can make a daily trade of fear in the place of faith. We make that trade every day, whether we choose faith or we choose fear. But can I encourage you in something today? God will always provide an opportunity for faith. Come on, I'm gonna say it one more time. God will always provide an opportunity for faith. You may have to say to yourself, faith rise up in me. You may have to challenge yourself and say, listen, the status quo ain't my quo. The status quo is not good enough. I don't want normal. You may have to say the pit is not my normal life. You may have to speak to yourself. There's a reason why people like David said, oh soul, why are you downcast within me? And speak to yourself. Because there has to be something on the inside of you that provides an opportunity for faith. That says faith needs to well up on the inside of me. You need faith to combat fear. It sounds simple, but the truth is every one of us every single day has this decision to make. Faith or fear. I've heard it said the only known antidote to fear is faith. There is no other antidote to fear. And with every source of opposition, there is an opportunity for faith. Everything that you encounter provides you with an opportunity. And what would happen, church, if every time fear reared its ugly head, we met it with faith? Yes, I know what the news says, but Here's what God says. Yes, I, I, I know what it's looking like for my finances, but here's what God's word says. Yes, yes, I know what's happening in our community, but here's what God says. You have to meet fear with faith. Let faith direct you. Let faith stir you on the inside. You know, as a, as a young kid, I grew up in a Christian household. My dad was involved in full-time ministry for years. And you start to grow up in a household where there's faith, where you, you almost feel the faith of your parents at times. Even at moments where you're so young, you almost don't even understand it. But, but there was a time period of my life at a young age, between the ages of four and around six or seven, that... I would have nightmares a lot, just nightmares, nightmares, nightmares. And my, my mom would come into my room and she would speak a scripture over me, a scripture that is one of my favorite scriptures. First Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. And what my mom didn't realize every time she did that, she was stirring up some faith in me. What she didn't realize that every time she spoke that over me, something was stirring in my heart that, listen, like, I started to get some faith at a young age. I started to think that, listen, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm an overcomer in the name of Jesus. You, you start to let faith stir up. And my mom may not have realized what that did when she would sing that song over me and that scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear. She'd go into this and it would soothe my soul and would build my faith. Yeah. 
Sometimes you have to speak faith to your fear. I said, sometimes you got to speak faith to your fear. Stir up that faith. Stir up. Whereas mind games would say, God has abandoned me. Faith would say, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Whereas mind games would say, I'm not good enough. Like Gideon said, faith says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. When you say, I don't know what the future holds, faith says God ordains or he orchestrates the steps of the righteous. This is his word, people. When you say, God will never do that with me, he could never. Faith says he will do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask for or imagine. That's faith. It's what it takes, faith to push back fear. I wanna give you guys some practical ways that we can activate faith in our lives and push back fear where it belongs. One of those ways is to focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. How many of you started out your day with a news feed? Got on Facebook, you started scrolling. I almost did that this morning, I stopped. I was like, uh, tut, 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 no. You can start like getting if you're not careful. When you always focus on the negative, you believe the narrative for your life. You just start to believe that what's done is done. Gideon's like, we're defeated, we're finished, Israel is done, we're oppressed, we're out for the count. God, what, it, like, you gotta focus on the positive, Gideon. You gotta guard your intake of negative. Look for opportunities to celebrate the positive. You know, so many of us, if we're not careful, get distracted by negativity. That's one of the biggest distractions you and I can face. How many times are you like, this is gonna be a good day? You start out, you know, you get dressed, you brush your teeth. I don't know how everyone starts their morning. Maybe you grab your cup of coffee. It's gonna be a great day, and then a negative word is spoken over you. It ruins your day. It's the power of thought. But what would happen if we focus on the positive things? That's why you have to speak truth to your feelings. That's why you have to allow God to tell you who you really are. And despite the circumstance, what's really happening? I, I talked to somebody the other day and they were going through a lot of negativity, but dealing with a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of trials. And, and I encouraged him. I said, there's not one thing that you're going through that God is surprised by. He's not taking off guard by one thing that you're having to deal with, and he's with you. Sometimes you need to focus on the positive. Next is affirm yourself. Somebody say affirm. What this means, if you were to look up the description, it means to state as a fact. Affirm, state it as a fact. What do we see in the scripture? Gideon starts to tell everybody everything he's not. Says to the angel of the Lord, I'm not, I'm part of the weakest clan, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a good enough leader. Gideon, instead of affirming himself, actually downgrades himself. And this is the way the enemy works, is he'll take what you aren't to combat who you are. 
to always throw in your face, you could never do that. It's not possible. Some of you guys have been wanting to start a business. You, you'd never be successful. You're not talented enough. You're not good enough. You can never see it on a worship team. Look at Pastor Tyson. He's beautiful. He's up here worshiping. You can never do that. You have to, though, affirm yourself. Gideon talked down to himself, said what he wasn't. And, and before you feel, sometimes, hear me, church, you just have to know. Because it's not about how you feel. It's about who he is in your life. It's not about how you feel in the moment because your feelings are the most deceptive thing on the planet. Can't be led by your feelings. You have to be led by truth. And truth only comes by hearing the word. Sometimes you gotta speak the word to your situation. You say this. Sometimes you're like, listen, I may feel downcast, but I am who he says I am. Have you heard that song, I am who he says I am? Who the son sets free is free indeed. You'll never experience freedom until you say, I am who he says I am. You'll never experience true freedom to break the bondage of insecurity and doubt and fear until you say, no, 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 no. I know what the enemy's trying to say I am, but I know who I am. Come on, some of you in here, you're being dictated in, in your past. Some reason the, the enemy's thrown your past at you, trying to make you feel unworthy to even be in this place. And you need to say, no, 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 no. I am who he says I am. Sometimes you gotta throw truth right at the enemy's face. I am who he says I am. Speak facts to your feelings. Next is imagine God doing something good. You can't say that without a smile on your face. Imagine God doing something good because what happens is over time, if you're not careful, when you're in the wine press, it starts to change your imagination and your dreams. Dreams die in the wine press. Hope dies in the wine press. Whereas once you had a dream and a thought and now it's dead, but what if you imagined God doing something good instead of, Gideon had a lot of what ifs. But really, what if Gideon said, what if God's up to something? This changed the whole narrative. God, I, I, know, I know how I feel, but, but what if you're up to something new? What if you're, you're doing something different? You have to imagine God doing something good, oftentimes even before he does. Corinthians says this, what God has planned for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, it talks about this, it talks about that those who love him, he's got you covered. So you may say, I don't see any hope. I wanna let you know if you love him, you're called according to his purpose, he's got you. He's got you. I said he's got you. Don't let your what ifs and your whys paralyze your what could. What could happen? What could happen if God got a hold of my marriage? What could happen if God restored my family again? 
Come on, what could happen if something miraculous happened in my life? Maybe my health getting restored. God, what could happen? God, what could you do in my life? See, God loves to turn all things for good. I said God loves to turn all things for good. You have to then trust God in everything. That's an easier said than done statement because we like to be the master and commander of our own life. Trust is a difficult thing. But I, I think about this scripture, Gideon, he mentions something, which is this is where Gideon should have stopped. Gideon says, talks about the stories of what you did for our forefathers and you brought them out of Egypt. God, all you've done, almost like it was something of the past, but what if Gideon would have looked at it as God has a pretty good track record? Gideon could have stopped his moaning and complaining right then and there. In that, in that moment that, that Gideon is struggling with trust, what if Gideon would have reflected on, man, he got, got them out of Egypt. Seven years of Midianites, pff, ain't nothing but a thing. You see, trust is the currency of faith. Trust is the currency of faith. You have to, in order to have faith well up in you, you almost have to lay some things at the feet of Jesus and say, I trust you. Because when you trust him, hear me today, he comes through. And when you trust him, hear me again today, he comes through. And when you trust him, Come on, am I speaking to anybody today? He comes through. There's something about trusting the Lord. He's not gonna fail you. He's got a great track record. There's nobody. People fail you. Jobs fail you. Politics fail you. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Psalms 34 says this, says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. So in order for me to have faith, I need to start by putting my seeking in the right place. I need to seek the Lord. Some of you are trying to find hope and get out of the wine press and you're not seeking the right things. But what if you said, I'm gonna seek the Lord? Seek the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me. Deliverance is coming, people. Deliverance is coming. All you have to do is seek the Lord. Pretty easy way to go about it. Instead of starting with your fear, what if we started with Jesus? Come on, I said, instead of starting with fear, what if we start with Jesus? I heard it said that faith looks not at what happens to him, but who is with him. Life can be discouraging. Life can put you on your button in the wine press quicker than you can say tomato. I don't know why I said tomato, but it makes sense. 
Life has a way of putting you in the wine press, but faith looks not at what happens to you, but who is with you. And some of you need to remind yourself today, you may feel like you're in the wine press right now, but God is with you in the wine press. He's with you in the cave. You feel like no one's seeing you. He's with you. He's with you. If you know anything about marriage, the strongest relationships are built on trust. Maybe today you need to place your trust where it belongs, in the hands of Jesus. We're about ready to come to a close. But in breaking down just this faith application, I wanna talk about hope for the best. Hope for the best. Hope for the best. This, this phrase sometimes gets a negative context to it because if you talk to somebody and you ask them, like, is that going to happen? Well, we hope for the best. We're just gonna hope for the best. We'll hope for the... And it can turn negative very quick, but I'm not talking about just, let's hope for the best. We'll let the coins fall where they may. Let the chips fall down. Whatever happens, happens. It is what it is. But what if you hoped for God's best? What if you challenged your faith this morning at 11.58 a.m. and you said, I'm gonna hope for the best. But not only am I gonna hope for the best, but I'm gonna hope for God's best because God's best is best. I'm going to hope for the best even when all the circumstances swirl around me. And I'm in a place where sometimes I've given in to fear or despair. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to make a choice to hope for the best. God's best. Because his word is true. You know, I, I pray every night, I pray over my daughters. I want them to grow up with hope. I want them to know that, that God is with them. And I know there's gonna be some days where we're gonna hit the teenage years and I'm gonna look up to the sky. I'm like, Lord, I need help. I know they're gonna go through experiences and I know they're going to deal with trials. And I want their hope be alive. I want God's best for them, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a future, give you a hope. Church, hear me today. You may have lost hope. I'm here to tell you today, you can get it back. What the enemy meant for evil, I feel that. What the enemy meant for evil, God's gonna use it for good. Come on. You have to speak faith to yourself. I'm gonna hope for the best. Romans 15 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust, as you trust in him. Say that one more time because it's so good. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.
In other words, to know God is to know hope. If you were to place your trust in him today, I know I'm speaking to a bunch of different people in the room dealing with different circumstances, different struggles. You're, you're dealing with different wine presses. But I do know this, that your victory, here's what all it requires of you. It's to say, I'm getting out of the wine press because God's already got the victory in the palm of his hands. I said, he's already got the victory in the palm of his hands. Sometimes you need to step out in faith Say, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm stepping out of the wine press. You see, Gideon got out of the wine press and said, listen, enough is enough. I'm not cowering in fear anymore. I know I may still be fearful. I'm still gonna take a step. God, I, like what? You're gonna bring down my army from thousands to 300? I'm gonna step out of faith again. And Gideon goes on to defeat an army of 20,000 Midianites with 300 men. How does Gideon get from a place where he's stuck in a wine press and full of fear and anxiety, looking over his shoulder to where he leads 300 men to defeat an army of thousands? Faith. Faith. There's something that changed on the inside of Gideon. They started to believe who God was again. Gideon started maybe to develop a little bit of a swagger again. Like, I got this. Because if he is for me, who can be against me? If God is for you, who can be against you? Church, you have to profess that over your life. If he's for you, if he's truly for you, then nothing can stand against you. As we get ready to close, I want to end on this final point. God can find you in your wine press. He can find you. He sees you. You know, what can happen when we get stuck in the wine presses of life, whether it, it's a mentality, something spiritual that's happening with our lives that you can feel stuck and you start to think that no one sees you. Start to believe the narrative that nobody cares. But God sees you in your wine press. Not only does he see you, but he wants victory for you. See, God already had the victory in mind. Do you hear me today, church? He already had the victory in mind. The moment he selected Gideon, it wasn't like, we're gonna wing this, Gideon. Whatever happens, happens. But God developed him, and he already had the end in mind. Some of you today need to step out and say, it's not my battle anymore. It's not my battle anymore. I felt that so strongly here in second service. Some of you need to say, it's not my battle anymore. You've been trying to fight with weapons that don't work. And you have to remind yourself that it, it's his battle. It's his battle. 
Scripture says our weapons are not always against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities and kingdoms of darkness. There's, there's a war that happens that's trying to push you into the wine press. It's not always just a physical thing. Sometimes you have to realize up here, you say, God, I need you to take the battle. God, I need you to take the fight. I need to trust you. God, I give you trust. I'll reach out to you today. What would happen if a church of people got out of the wine press and entered into the victorious life that God had for them? I'm believing that for you today. This is not a cliche term. This is not something to make you feel good. This is something to tell you, I promise you, I've seen God do it again and again, and nobody can convince me that God cannot pull a victory out of a wine press moment. Nobody can convince me otherwise. He sees you. He's for you. He loves you. outside of that wine press, hear me today, is restoration. <sighs> it's healing. A new lease on life. Outside of that wine press, I'm gonna talk to some men in the room today. Is your family being restored? Is your marriage being restored? Outside of that wine press may look like some of you getting back to God. Letting faith stir up on the inside of you again. But I have to get out. I want you to hear me today. I have to get out of the wine press in order to fulfill my purpose. I can't stay in the wine press and be like, God, I'm just going to stay here because it's comfortable and it feels good, and this is what I'm used to. Seven years, this is what we do now. This is who we are. But you'll never fulfill your purpose till you take a step of faith. It's our prayer for you today. I felt that so strongly that someone in here today, you, you need to know that the victory is already at hand. I said the victory's already at hand. You just need to step out of the wine press. Get out of your thinking. Start to let faith well up on the inside of you again. The victory starts when you get out of the wine press. This is about to come to a close. I didn't do this first service, but there is Something to be said about the depiction of Gideon is in a hole, essentially. And he's fearful and he's worried and he's threshing wheat, which is not even possible to do in a hole. You need wind. Why do I say that? Because the Bible references wind so many different times, often referring to the move of the Spirit of God. I'm feeling that for somebody today. You've been in the wine press for so long, you've forgotten what the wind feels like. But today you're gonna feel the wind again. Today you're gonna feel the wind of his Holy Spirit again, the presence of God again. You're gonna be refreshed again.
feel that for somebody in the room today. I don't know who that was for, but you're gonna feel the wind again. Can we bow our heads together today? Father, today we, we make a statement, not a feel good, run of the mill, say your peace and leave and everything goes back to normal on Monday, but we make a, a statement today that we're going to be people of faith. Faith. Let faith rise up. And I pray over people in this room that their faith has dwindled and it's gotten weak. That God, that faith would rise up. Faith would be stirred again. You'd remind them of what you've done in the past. You'd remind them that you've never left them. You'd remind them today that you love them. That your countenance would shine upon them. That God, you would remind them today you never left them. And if they were to take a step of faith today, say, God, I don't know what the next step holds, but I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust you. That God, you would show them how amazing you are. You would show them how powerful you are. There's those in the room today, you wouldn't even know where to start. We've been talking about faith and you would say, I've never activated faith in my life ever. But I do know what it's like to live in a wine press. I do know what it's like to feel stuck I wanna introduce you to a man by the name of Jesus, the savior of the world, fully God, fully man, who loves you. He loves you so much he died as you. So that way you could overcome the wine press moments of life. If you've been thinking about it and the Holy Spirit's been stirring you, again, I'm not gonna draw it out extra long, but I wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. And it requires simply this, to say, Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you. And I promise you this, he'll pull you out of the wine press you're in. If that's you today, I want you to raise your hands. Three, two, one. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's celebrate them, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna say a prayer together today. Let's just all say it together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. I ask that you will not only be the Savior, but you will be the Lord. That my heart would be with you always. Now I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand to our feet today? Isn't God good? He's good. He's so good. I want to say one more prayer with you before you leave today. And just one more time, if you want to place your hand on your heart, 
or you want to put your hands outside, that's fine. But I want to pray over you because it's important to understand who's fighting with us. It's important to understand who's fighting for you. Now we would be reminded of that today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we are not alone. Thank you that we can get out of the wine press and there's victory and there's healing and there's restoration. And I pray that over every person under the sound of my voice today, whether online or in the room, that God, you would bring them out of the wine press. Marriage is restored in Jesus' name. Families brought back together in Jesus' name. Finances restored in Jesus' name. Some of you physical ailments, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for your touching hand to reach out to them today. Lord, I pray for healing and wholeness and those that need a little bit of jump start in their faith. God, I pray that you would do something miraculous in their faith. Let their faith rise up and that it would be contagious and we wouldn't be a church that would just be satisfied with a little faith, but we would be a church of much faith and say, God, I'm ready for what you're going to do, that the best days are still ahead. We're not done yet. God, you're not done with me. You're not done with Vibrant Church. You're not done with what you're going to do with my family. You're not done with my marriage. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, give God a shout of praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on.